search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome everyone to another episode of Broken by Concept, episode 87. Today we're doing something special. We're doing a debate. Um, something new on the Broken by Concept podcast because we yep. just always you agree style. with each other. That's right. You know, we're an echo chamber. Yeah. Echo chamber. That's right. Um, so you know, Nathan, you weren't on the debate team. I wasn't on the debate team. We've never done any form of debating before. I have no idea what a debate is. Um, and we're doing our own way, our own style today. And so we don't actually know how a debate is formally meant to be run. But today we're going to be debating the topic. Is Champions Q good practice? You're going to be on the side of... It's terrible. It's not. And you're on the side that it's the greatest invention of mankind. You can put it like that (laughs) if you want to. Um, And, and, you know, obviously trying to get multiple perspectives. Steel man, strong man, certain arguments. Um, Now, what is Champions Q, Nathan, for people who don't quite know what Champions Q is? So Champions Q, this was announced uh, on February the 4th. Champions Q is an exclusive West Coast-based competitive matchmaking experience for top North American players. It will be an invite-only system where the top players will compete against each other, and it was inspired by what they used to do, LCS in-houses. The Champions Q is a formalized structure that allows upcoming players to display their skills against the very best NA has to offer. Uh, so the queue provides an automatic lobby, essentially like you know solo queue when you queue yep. up. They use a Discord bot, I think. Um Play invites, comm channels, and match result. There's like a ladder system. Uh, who can join the LCS Champions queue? So currently, it's only available initially when they launched to LCS and Academy players, LLL players, which I believe is the top players in the Latin American sort of region. The top 16 NA amateur teams from both of Spring Proving Ground qualifiers and a handful of recent LCS alumni. Um, Ride is also allowing top players from solo queue, so these people aren't even in the competitive scene, who are grandmasters or above on the solo queue ladder on the North American server, to apply uh, to apply via a public application to join the Champions queue. Um, they said that they're going to change this and increase this as the future, but they've not set a date for that yet. And that you know that application, there's a bit. Like, I think there's a committee that sort of you know approve or disapprove people. So you know, yeah. that's looking at stuff like one tricks and. All that sort of stuff, you know, to, they've talked about not allowing those. Yeah, so at the moment, you know. though, Nathan, yeah. you have to be Grandmaster and above, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. They, it was originally Master, but they had to change it to Grandmaster. They grand changed it to Grandmaster, yeah. So, and there's a prize pool, right? There's a prize pool, and there's a bunch of dates uh, that's going to be split. The $400,000 prize pool, which is announced, is going to be split across three splits, February to March, March to April, April to May. Um so they're, they're committing to this for the whole year. So it right. looks like a, a project, a, a year project. See what happens. See what happens. There's a website. You can check there. There's a ladder. That's all the details, all the facts for the, uh, the champions that we need to dive into this. Beautiful. So I guess in the comments, you know, you can talk about who won the debate, yep. you know. You know, and, and whose side was more convincing? Whose side was more convincing? Who's just a terrible debater? Like they should <laughs> literally just, it's like, all right, you know, you had a, you had a crack, you had enough, just go back to yep. You know, agreeing with each other on everything. Yep. All right. So I guess the way this works, I guess one of us has to start. So yeah, you'll do one of us has a, a point, then the other person rebuts that point, okay. and then then the other person can do their point. All right. It's game time. All right, I'll, I'll I'll kick it off here. All right, Curtis. Here we go. So 
I believe Champions Q can speed up the learning process significantly, specifically through high-level decision-making and plays, as these plays are predicated on comms. Now, I want to give you an example here of a play that me and you did in Solo Q, Nathan. Okay? Okay. This was last week. I was playing support, and you were playing jungle. And... uh, you were playing Rek'Sai into a Nidalee, and I was playing, I think I was playing Nautilus. And um, anyway, what happened was that you knew Nidalee was on the bot side of the map, and you pinged out, and you type in comms, you, you, you typed in the chat. chat. Um, Nidbot. Yeah, Nidalee's bot. And you pinged like kind of where roughly she was roughly. And then I, you know, I'm like, okay, I, I recognize that. But I didn't know what you wanted to do with that information. Right? I don't know what you want to do with that. I don't know if you're going to counter gank. I mean, ideally a counter gank, that's my initial response, um, but I don't know what you want. So then you kind of like walk up and then it's been a while. And then like, I thought that Nidalee would be gone by now. And then I kind of go in for like a, like a bit of a trade and Nidalee's still there like a minute later or whatever. And I'm on top side of the map. Yep. You're, you've now passed the top side. And I'm diving top. Yep. And um, I remember you came in after the game and you said... Curtis, like, you know, you should wait here for Nidalee because she's 100% going to be here no matter what. Like, she has nothing else to do. Now, it's interesting. I'm like, yeah, that's a really good point. I learned, I learned from that, right? Like, I kind of knew she was there, but I didn't know how long she would be there for. I thought it would just be, like, very fleeting. I and said you, that that was the only play for her to that's make. That's correct. Because what she wanted me to do is gank this. You said counter yep. gank. I want to clarify. It, yep. was, it was she was counter ganking me. Yeah, right. She, Nidalee was anticipating that you were going to gank yeah. there, which most of the time, most Rek'Sai's or most junglers would gank there, right? And I use that psychological to my it's advantage like to be, I know that she's gonna, that's the only play she's going to make. Yep. Super obvious. Yep. I'm going to go topside and dive top into 9-3 ways. And one of the things you said that was really interesting was, Curtis, a lot of supports in this situation will spam ping me yep. to gank. Yep. Now, I found that really interesting because if I didn't have the luxury of having your Discord or having a good relationship with you, chances are that I probably would have pinged assistance. Chances are that you would have probably ganked or compensated or either or you ping me back, I get pissed off at you and I walk away calling you a bad jungler. Either way, I actually learned so much more because I was able to listen to that call in a way. I, could, I mean, I barely listened to it, but like... If you were to even, and this would be even better if we were on comms, you said, Curtis, Nidalee's there. She's going to stay there. I'm going to go topside. Just let them waste their time. I would learn more mm-hmm. as a player about mm-hmm. your role purely because we're able to do these more advanced le- advanced decision-making that is, this is actually in a way more similar to competitive play. It's mind games, yeah. It's more high-level mind games. Whereas in solo queue, because you don't have the trust in your opponent, you can't actually talk to them and explain what your intention is. Your level of playmaking is so much less sophisticated. And you, in a way, you actually have to do the worst play sometimes because you know they get they don't they're just going to do it anyway. So it got me thinking: these more nuanced plays that require they actually require complete alignment and quick decision making aren't doable, I think, or way less doable. And there's less options without comms. Um, and because you have access to comms after the game, you can actually expand your view of the game due to hearing others' perspectives that I wouldn't be able to otherwise because you're in a Discord call right with these people. You could theoretically say, so even if I didn't have an, have time to see what you wanted, I would go with the play and I can ask you afterwards, hey, Nathan, what did you mean by that? Like, what did you want to happen here and like, why? I would be able to expand my view of the game of multiple roles way faster than I would otherwise. You have to rebut? You have to rebut that one. <laughs> That's just so shit. <laughs> uh, all right. So 
You dug yourself a hole there, Curtis. Okay, I'm ready. With the word, this is better in a competitive environment. Okay. This is not a competitive environment. This is a champion's queue in my eyes. What it should be is a practice environment in terms of solo queue and your own fundamentals and your own understanding of the game. So, you know, let's say, let's say you do that, you know, that example here, right? I mean, you did engage there in that situation and almost died it, but you got pretty lucky there. Um, I mean, I guess if you look at it from both sides, right? So if, if I'm thinking about for me and my fundamentals, right? I know that's a very good play, right? <clears throat> and, I, and, I, and I did max as much as I could. I, I was spamping you off, yep. danger peeing, and you still didn't listen because you thought that she was you just assumed, right? That ideally is a painful experience learning lesson for you. And I believe you learn better from painful experiences. So I guess like either side, like um, for me, if you're engaged on that, I'm like, okay, well, that player, I mean, I, I knew that Curtis would, like, the support would do that. I wouldn't say you again, because most people would go on that anyway. But I made the right play because that's my fundamentals. I'm playing my game. And I feel like that in solo queue, what we should all be doing, we play our own game, we make our own decisions. And over time, yeah, sure, certain situations, I do see value in like, you know, common and stuff like that. But overall, the long the long game, what solo queue I believe should be is focusing on your game, how do you kill a nexus? And you need to navigate the complexity of you know the the sort of limits of communication with pings and the complexity of your teammates are going to do things that you don't expect or um, embracing the chaotic nature of solo queue that we talk about. Uh, so I guess that is my point. main rebuttal is that those things are to be practiced in scrims. That environment already exists. You what what I feel like is happening is they're bleeding, they're cross sectioning these two. They're trying to make them together. But they're both not optimal. Okay. So, so to get your point, to, to get aligned here, what you're saying is that I should basically read, I should have this painful experience yep. and, then, and then have the humility to go into the review and be like, okay, how did I contribute to this? You know, what could I have done differently? But because you, you just said that there. There is learnings for you that because you said, I know Rexar's not here because oh, you yeah. obviously made me talk. Definitely. But I thought, you used the quote, I thought Nidalee was bot. So that's right. That's not you adapting to me. Well, I thought Nidalee would not be there still. Yeah. And I and the thing is, it's hard for me to know what your intention was. Like, like I don't know if you thought Nidalee was actually just gone as well. Like, yeah. I can't tell if you just are pathing up because Nidalee's not there either. Mm. Or is it because you're pathing up because... I don't... You know, you know what you want. I don't know what you want. So... My rebuttal to that, in a way, though, is think of... Yeah, sure, in the long term, if I was a very humble... Or, like, if I'm taking complete and utter responsibility for my plays, in a perfect world, spot on. But, Nathan, what percentage and what likelihood am I, as a player, going to be like, oh, like, I'm going to have my narrative and what I want. I want Rexide to gank here. Yeah, because, I mean, it was they had no summoner spells. You were playing Samira yeah, Nautilus playing, into Enchanted support. Yeah, into Enchanted support. I'm Nautilus. We have sums. They have they no sums. They're pushed up. It's like situation. perfect gank. Yeah. In my mind, yeah, I, I would, if in a perfect world, I would have the humility to say, you know what? I got to adapt to what this Rexide wants, but I still think I'm right. It's very unlikely that I think a player would actually have the, like, the humility to say, you know, yeah, I guess Nexar's right here. We probably don't need this play because in my mind, like 
you you're always going to think that your play was the right play most of the time. So yeah, I agree in the in the in the perfect world in the long run. But in terms of speeding up the learning process, it just could be so much quicker. Like I wouldn't have to go through those loopholes in my mind and break down my my ego and like trying to. No, it's just it's just clear cut. Boom! This is the right play, and this is why it's the right play. That's my interpretation anyway. So in terms of the learning cycle, it's just so much faster. It's so much faster. You want to move on? Okay. Yeah. So then the, the, the people can judge. <laughs> this is what's going to be... Who won the Someone's going to come in with like a chalkboard and put like a, a point here and a point onto Nathan's side. All right. You like examples, Curse? I'm going to throw you an example now, all right? In my games. All right, I'm ready. So this is more talking about comms. Okay. And this is, this is from a jungle's perspective. So my statement here is um, communication from laners about information in the game is generally going to be ineffective or not timely enough to be useful because the fundamental of the jungler is your job in my eyes is to have basically max information in the game. Yeah, as a, a professional jungler. So that's knowing what all the lane states are, everything. If someone's telling you you've got a bad lane state, it's probably too late. And that information is just going to be tilting for me, you know? And it's just just useful, ineffective. Here's an example. And and, and it's, it's it's also the jungler's job as well to learn through not comms, through painful experiences, to know what their laners want the hard way without getting for, like spoon-fed the information. Right, that's a huge like three paragraphs. I hate that as a take, but if I was going to numb it down a little bit more, I'd say comms are ineffective for a jungler in a practice environment. There you go. That's my take. All right. Uh, here's here's an example. I was playing with Cal Casey Curtis. Yep. He's uh, in the Midland Academy. That's correct. He's an Echo player. He mid plays in O's, plays in his Grandmaster. Um, I played a game with him, just a solo game. We bumped into each other. And after the game, he messaged me saying, we make such a fantastic mid-jungle duo, right? And that's no comms, no synergy, no comms, purely because I know what he wants, all right? And I learned this myself. I'd never spoke to him about this. We'd never had a conversation before, but magically, why is he telling me that we are such a good mid-jungle duo? The situation was, um, we're in the mid we've got a pretty good late, uh, early lead. Uh, I mean, with Rek'Sai Echo, it's very easy to dive mid. You know, you have so much juggle tower aggro. We dive mid a couple of times. But the key thing, we so we had a lead and we're going to close out the game, right? What I did was, essentially, Cal Casey went bot side and he's just split pushing, right? And then just get in wave after wave. I had opportunities to go in on picks on top side, but I knew that was not necessary to win the game because I knew what Cal Casey want. All Cal Casey wanted was get three, four levels ahead in the sideline as Echo. No one can match him because he's unkillable and, you know, he can, and no one can fight him because it's, you know, Echo that's super strong. And all I needed to do was just waste the enemy team's time. They were playing, playing around a Rift Herald and I was just wasting their time, not engaging, pretending to fight when I knew that Cal Casey was just pushing the waves. And then when I have opportunities, when I saw him now, he has the move, he's roaming, then we come and we clean up. All that was required for that was pings. No typing was involved at all. I just knew what he wanted to do in that situation. All right. The key thing why I knew I was in that situation, because I have lost to echoes so many times 
they get into the sidelines and no one goes to them and like you you know and you I just lose the game because a fed echo is just this, one of the snowballiest things I feel like in the game of League of Legends right that's that's because I played against it right and also I've lost games me doing that as well I engage a fight and then I will review it after I was like fuck all the echo here or my mid lane or whoever's split pushing all they want to do is just split push get three four levels ahead and then I don't need to do anything or force any play and you're gonna win the game that's my example. Uh, yeah, I guess now it's your rebuttal okay. chance, Curtis. Okay. <laughs> this so, one I'll be interested in. Well, okay. So you're conflating, yeah. in a way, yeah. uh, comms to someone uh, being a worse player, in a way, making a, 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 play, a player worse. Are you? Or is it? Are you? Com- or are you combining um, comms slowing down the learning process? Which one? Uh yeah, so I guess slowing down. I mean, the learning process is non-existent because in, in, let's say if you had comms, right? The echo is saying, just let me split push. Don't force any fights. And, you know, you, you're sort of going to be able to see it, but you just don't have the same lesson of losing games and winning games from it yourself. You making that decision, not the echo telling you, you making that decision okay. itself. I sort of view it as building mental toughness and building your understanding well, it's a of similar, the game. It's a similar thing as before, right? In the, in the short term, you're saying that the comms would be okay, but in the long term, because you're may, maybe not as having as many painful experiences, you're not learning as, as much because the learning comes from the painful experiences. Like you're, The reason you're so certain about what echo wants is because... I've won with it. You've I've won lost one with it. of it, and and you've had like the echo hasn't been telling you what they yeah. want. You've had to figure it out, or or the or the echo or something will start compensating. But I I was spamping in Cal Casey, just yeah. go bot, just fucking go bot, yeah. you know, and I won't do anything. Like imagine how powerful that is as you okay. as a, even as a mid laner. I don't even have to worry about you. I was like, holy fuck, my team knows what I want. Okay, I want to I want to give two things here. Two things. Yeah. Let's say hypothetically, you just didn't play with much echo ever in solo queue maybe mm. it's just like a really rare pick and you'd never really play with much echo and let's say the first time you played with an echo was actually in champions queue and you had an echo player on your team and you didn't really know how to play with the echo and then um the echo in the game said um nathan just stay top let me split don't engage something super simple and then you're probably thinking let's say you win that game after the game you could look at it and look in the review and be like oh wow that was actually really effective yeah Chances are, you would get a similar amount of learning. I'm jumping rebuttal straight away. Curtis, people don't care when they win games. People don't take learnings from winning games. Right. Especially in a practice environment. I tell you what, you know, I mean, come on, guys. When you win games of solo queue, you guys just think you're awesome. No, but again, we got to be very careful here because solo queue is not champions queue. When you win a game of solo queue, it's by yourself. You don't, you don't, you're not, you're not, there's no teamwork. Mm. When you're in a, like the way I'm viewing champions queue, you're actually talking to someone about what happens. So sure, I agree. I, I agree. Definitely. The, the learning from a win is generally less so than a loss because you're lacking that painful experience. But the reason it's not as clear cut as that is because when you're actually, when you're playing with very high intensity, which you usually would in Champions Q because you're playing with people you respect, peers, that people that you want to actually impress a lot of the time, like a lot of that, you're going to listen and learn from them. These are people that you respect. You're not going to, you're less open-minded to a random solo queue player that you disrespect than 
you're playing with elite players every game in Champions Queue. So I think that it's not as clear cut as in solo queue, I win, therefore I won't look I won't learn from this. If there's an echo player that you respect who's like a high elo, either a pro player who says this is what to do and you'll what, value their opinion. You're gonna like, value okay, their opinion higher. And, think about that and you're gonna actually think about it. You're not just gonna like write it off. Oh wow, if I because especially if that was your first time playing with an echo, you're like, oh that's actually interesting. I, do, I highly doubt that your initial response would be, oh, fuck it, I won anyway. You'd probably, especially if you're, if you're taking those games seriously, you'd want to look to how to replicate that. And I agree, it's probably, it really depends on the personality. Tying back to our last, my one, you made a good point where, you know, um, in the, in the, in, it would probably be better if I had a painful experience rather than a positive one, but I don't think it's as clear cut as that when it comes to Champions Q specifically. That's, that's point number one. Point number two is that, you're only talking about one specific example when it comes to comms, right? So let's say, hypothetically, you were, you knew everything about Echo and what Echo wanted to do based off your past experiences. But let's just say your top laner and your AD carry and your support didn't have as much experience playing with Echo and didn't know what they wanted. Wouldn't you say comms would benefit getting the entire team aligned such that in that game, from, a, from actually killing the Nexus... I mean, we're getting a little bit away from maximum learning here, but you got to also remember that like for other people, they might actually, they're never going to be in that situation. Maybe an AD carry is never really going to be in that situation where they need to understand as much about an echo. Like from, from other people who aren't directly going to make those plays, they could actually learn by listening in a way because they're not directly involved in the play. I feel as though you're discounting the learning that other people have that aren't in the play potentially could have is what I'm saying. So we're getting out of the scope of the jungle mid. Yeah, it's not just about, about jungle mid. It's about how other people might potentially be able to learn from hearing things from other people and how they talk about the game and what they want. Because that you're, again, expanding your view. That's going to be one of my key narratives and themes throughout this, this debate, which is expanding your view, hearing other people's perspectives, even if it doesn't have anything to do with you and your game plan. It's just, again, getting you know a, a more well-versed, expanded view of the game. Um, what, what do you think about that, Nathan? In terms of other people, so learning. when you say their views and their, so it, it sounds like when you say that, it sounds like what they're doing is they're getting in and reviewing the game with each other and talking about the game. That's not what's happening. They just get on. They literally this is what happens with the Champions Queue. I watch some streams. Is they they jump in, they come, win, loss, and then they just leave the lobby and then just for the next. So that that it sounds a little bit fairyland mm. there. What you're saying there, Curtis, where it's like. You know, other people get to listen and learn and yeah. stuff like that. Like, I feel like that may take a type of personality person to, to go and probe after that's on them to seek that information. Would, would you agree, Nathan, that Champions Q has room for improvement? And, and actually, yes, because I'm on the side, it's the worst let, invention of all. Or let, let me frame it a different way. Yeah. That's the question I should be asking. No, let, let's frame it a different way yeah. then. When you first first played solo queue, yeah. you didn't know exactly how to get the most value out of every single game, did you? But as you played more solo queue... And studied the game. And studied and actually th looked at what you've got to work with, like the, the end of game reviews and mm -hmm. things like that, you got better at learning. Would you agree that now there's, a, there's an added layer of complexity and more functionality with the post-game review potential? Not saying it's used right now, but the post-game reviews with comms adding a little bit more variability that you, you, you can't really deny that objectively there's more room for improvement because there's more tools, there's more functionality. Not to say it's used yet, mm -hmm. but there is more tools, right? 
Again, I disagree because... You're saying it's humanly not possible for someone to utilize the tools available in the post-game review. So if you're an elite but individual... But how's that difference from Champions Q and Solo Q, though? Because no one's going to... In Solo Q, you don't, know, you don't even have access to anyone's Discord. You have to add them after the game... Ask them, can I have your Discord? Then find a server to go on okay. to. Logis yeah, the so logistics the of the operation is so hard to do that. Yeah, You're not yeah, and you, everyone's in that call. You can quickly ping someone. Boom, top. What do you think? Yeah, it's, yep. you know? Yep. Okay, so yeah, there is more tools that you can utilize. You can utilize. Not saying they it is, will, but you do. could. You could, theoretically. Theoretically. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. It can get a little bit fairyland, but... We're only what, a month in to Champions Q. Who knows it how it could evolve theoretically. Mm. Um, so yeah, those are my rebuttals to the to the comms. I think um, anything else I would say. Um, I would say as well is no. I'll leave it there. I think there's good points. I think I'll leave it at that for that. The comms thing because I, I want to touch on comms as well a little bit later on right, uh, you know your turn wh now. while i'm here well okay i'll add a, this is a point i was going to talk about later but go. i'll make my point here while yep. we're on the topic of comms yep so yes sure people don't really know how to effectively comm yet i think that's fair to say how can someone really know how to comm effectively in solo queue eff effectively what uh, uh, you know with with people that you're not super familiar with familiar with but that's because they haven't had the opportunity to learn. Right now, in its infancy, I agree that the comms are incredibly ineffective and potentially even detrimental. But, but like anything, with time, players will intuitively realize what works and what doesn't work. And because um, just like when pings and stuff got enabled, you know, we had very limited pings back in the day. People got better at using pings. Yeah. So I feel, and, and, and using chat in general, I feel as though with anything, in every sport, comms get way more efficient over time, naturally, because you're trying to utilize what tools you have at your disposal. And the other thing that I want to add on to this one is that ideally, if you're an athlete or you're a performer in any sport, you want to mimic your on-stage situations as much as possible. And make the practice as real as possible. If you're practicing, if you're playing on stage with comms, then there's an argument to be made that you should be comming in your practice as well, or maximizing the amount of games you're playing with comms. Because if someone's so you're saying scrims isn't enough, you should. It's good to have this extra layer. Yeah, I mean, if, why not? What's the if you're if 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 you can play like if you can mimic what your games on stage would be like, then why not? You'd make in the more the practice more real more alive than what it would be on stage. So the main point I'm trying to make here though is that, yes, I agree, the comms isn't that effective yet, but with time, as people start to realize, oh, I actually have this, I can actually do way more things or I can communicate more effectively. The, the communication that I'm doing might even be detrimental now. People will probably give me feedback. Say, I don't want to hear that or I don't, I don't know, I don't get what you mean, or you're that talking too much, useless. that information is useless, you know, and then intuitively I'm going to be able to realize, okay, I need to maybe talk less or, or, or talk more clearly or say more or say less, so on and so forth. Right, guys, here's my rebuttal. What incentive do you have to say that if you're playing right now in a game, right, with a competitor that you're versing, right, in another team, why would you even want to help them improve the communication. You know, you just said that. 
Imagine if you again the game. I think we're going to Fairyland. You're going to Fairyland, Curtis. You're, you're, you're visiting there quite a bit here in this state so far, Curtis. <laughs> You've got a very negative view. <laughs> You've got a very pessimistic view. I do indeed. Um, they will just sit back, and if they lose the game for some bad comms, they will just sit back. And I mean, gamers in general are very passive when it comes to comms. When they type, they're not passive, but when they're on comms, especially with people you respect, in general, you're really passive unless you're talking about. You know, like the Whippos, the Bjergsons, people that would be, they're more confident, they're tenured, you know, players. So, yeah, I think that that's just absolutely fairyland that um, anyone would actually have any incentive or try to even want to put in the effort to tell someone that their comms are bad. It just like creates some conflict and people just don't want to get into conflict because you're going to have to play with these people, you know, later on. And who knows, a lot of people I feel like are bad at taking on feedback. So, so is your point that even if you, 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 you said that comes about poorly. Yeah. Even if you come poorly, you wouldn't know that yeah, you're no coming poorly yeah, no because one no one would give you the no feedback. No one will speak up. Yeah, but wouldn't you be able to see that through just the raw the the actual play that happens? Like you come poorly, and then the other like the play just doesn't work. No, then the excuse is is that that person sucks because they come poorly. Oh, you're saying you take responsibility for your bad com? That's correct. It doesn't happen again. Fairyland, and that seems to be one of the narratives here is that <laughs> you you don't genuinely everyone's be a better player. A, everyone's a beast. It's everyone else's fault. It's not your fault. People okay. are really bad at taking responsibility in a practice environment. Okay, let alone scrims. Yeah, and and an actual competitive player because we've seen it. How many scrims have I watched? Three thousand scrims. People can hide in the communication errors. Okay, you're up. All right, my next one here is uh, Champions Q reduces creativity and forces a meta. With the Champions Q, with the prize pool online, right, people are going to be more incentivized to play a meta and be less creative just by nature because there's a prize pool. Um, I guess we will see how much people value the prize pool because the thing about the system that is a bit weird, people might just get locked into just winning the prize money every split because it's just about games played because right now it's plus 10, minus 5 no matter what. So theoretically, it's just games played. Mm. So people might not value the prize money, but yes, that, that's a, that's the thing I don't know about in this, but I would say in general, and I think we've already sort of seen it talking about like Kate, like early pick. I've seen Gwen in the drafts, like every game pretty much. It's going to be, you're going to be less incentivized to pick things that are unconventional and practice them. And also, it just gives things away as well, pretty obviously, because again, you're playing with your competitors. It sort of takes, there is a level of effort to um, scout someone's secret account to find what they're playing. I had some, I did some research for this, Curtis. I went in, I asked Destiny on his stream over the weekend. I said, you know, what do you feel like Champions Q? And, and he also said this. He said that he feels like he he could pick things randomly in solo queue because he's not going to get judged by his teammates because they're, you know, random solo queue players, but he will get judged by picking, you know, a little bit more off meta picks and stuff in, because, you know, you could lose the game from it and then everyone knows you're the yeah, person to blame. Yeah, 100%. Yes, I got everything. I agree. Everything. I, I, yes. I don't have a rebuttal for that. Yes, I won already. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to move on? That was a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, even thinking about it, you, you don't want to eat... Even talk about think about how, yeah. how even stale if you wanted meta. something to work, 
like you wouldn't want to show that it works to the, your opponents anyway. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, there, there's some great examples. I mean, the the LS example, mm. he was like, they picked up the Sorak and they they thought about that going on the stage because he played in some solo queue game. Right. I, I think Alice also said he played Ivan randomly yeah, in a that. solo queue game. He, f- he got auto-filled or something. How the he, fuck do you find this shit out yeah. if you're just playing the meta? If you're meta, playing Champions you, know? you wouldn't get and that. And it's, it's crazy how stale the meta gets as well. Um, even in scrims and with dials, like it just gets into a meta real quick. It can, it can get stale. Yeah. Solo queue can get you out of that meta. Yeah. All right. Good point. All right. Move on here. Kata. Okay. I'm going to bring out the big guns here. Yep. This is good because it's saving the ammunition Got around. Okay. Um, where is it here? Okay. So, you know, the, one of the topics that we've been talking about recently, placebo effects. Mm-hmm. We did our, our uh, recent episode on, was it, what was it called? Mindsets, about mindsets. Yep. Now, one of the big problems with solo queue, Nathan, is the inherent disrespect for solo queue. It's been around for a long time. And especially in NA, right? Everyone has, it's like a meme, NA solo queue. The actual internal, internal narrative around Chambi's queue is inherently positive. So... Because it's like a fresh start. You always talk about the importance of having a fresh start, starting from scratch, blank slate, right? Especially, let's say, something that hasn't worked. Like, right. You know, I mean, currently, NA Solo Q, you know, it's, it's no. It's hated, as, dude. It, I mean, it has a bad pros reputation. hate it. Even yeah. whether, and this is my point, mm. even if it isn't objectively bad, bad yeah. the fact that the it is viewed bad decreases people's intensity and how much value they get from it. So, um, so if you actually think that, I mean, even if Champions Crew at its current state isn't objectively better than Solar Crew because it, everyone's viewing it in a positive way and, and it's, the, it's the solution, right? It's the more intense games, it's the higher quality games. This is going to inherently increase intensity and overall care towards it and minimize excuses. So like I said, even if Solar Crew was similar, the way it is viewed tarnishes one's value they get from it. And we've proven this in that or in that episode talking about placebo effects. Um, and when you look at the objective value of something, you can't just take a look at you can't just look at the value of the thing itself. You have to look at the perception of what value you think you're getting from it. So I, if if you view something, if you view, or well, I view Solo Queue as something that's had its name dragged through the mud. It's it's so washed, and that's why people talk about Korean Solo Queue. It's the best. If you go there, you're going to get better. Yeah, sure. Partly, so Korean Solo Queue is amazing. So the placebo effect. But it's the placebo effect that there. you're going to. You're like you come out of like the super hyperbolic time chamber when you go to Korea. You, you you think you're so much better than you are. It gives you confidence. So um, I think this is a very real thing when it comes to Champions Queue. Therefore, increasing intensity, care, um, increasing the quality of games, or at least how much learning you get from those games. Right, so that is a big, a bit of a big gun, Curtis. So my rebuttal here is going to be <laughs> Band-Aid solution. It's a fresh start, but it's avoiding the issue. That's it, I'm done, that's my rebuttal. No, I need to get more into-depth into this. So <laughs> Putting you on the spot here. It's avoiding the issue. I mean, the solo queue system is fundamentally beautiful the the mmr system that's designed by the chess community or whatever it was the the mathematician the mmr system which we've already seen champions just doesn't have because it's plus 10 minus 5 so what happens in the matchmaking as well right what happens how does it work in terms of um i mean i can't even say this i actually don't know if the the, uh, the discord bot actually uses an algorithm 
But I mean, God, this is advanced stuff. But uh, remember, you're not say, you're not rebutting the actual. You can't value. What? It's not about Solik being a beautiful system or not. Yeah, it's whether or not it's the it's way it's perceived. Start. It's perceived. It's the way oh, it's perceived. Right. Let me let me swirl around. I, this and I agree that the Solik is a beautiful system. That's why we're a bit massive advocates for it. But it's objectively not. That's just not the way it's seen, is it, Nathan? In NA, the placebo effect. Fuck. How do I beat the placebo effect? Um. Fuck, you can't beat the placebo effect. Humans are just, uh, psychology is too easily influenced. All right, you win. Next Pass. one. Yeah, uh, you're right. <laughs> you're up, Nathan. All right, I'm up. All right, so one tricks. One tricks are very good for the game in solo queue because they push the boundaries of champion mastery. Competitive players, they, I mean, God, we see it, dude. Like, in terms of some item builds and stuff like that, and like, there's a great example of, of watching Worlds. I remember Worlds was at 2020. And there was these, the people were playing Eve and no one really played Eve in solo queue. And these one tricks, you know, people like Malice and stuff, the Eve clears were atrocious, dude. Like 15, 20 seconds off as a professional player, you know, as, and that's, and that's just the lack I of. I think we saw one of the games, someone lost an Evelyn game on pro play because of their first clear. Oh, no, there was, uh, Wasn't it? I remember it was, um, it was actually the O's team. Yeah, it was the O's, Legacy, it was, he didn't know that how was I think it was, it was no, no, it was Zed. Zed Barbip. Oh, Zed's and Barbip, Zed. Yeah, yeah. You need to start blue buff with Zed. Oz, your clear is horrible. And he started red, and he just fucked the game. And there's the lack of the champ mastery. Where's that solo queue? That one trick that you can talk to and learn from. You know, to be like, hey, Zed just randomly popped in the meta out of nowhere. How the fuck do you do the clear? No, he's got to like figure it out himself because no one was playing at the time. There you go. Rebut that curse. Okay. So what's what's stopping Bubbit from getting the exact same learning in Champions Q? Theoretically, because so, that one trick is not in, so, so in Champions. Yeah, but he Q. could still add that one trick after and speak to him anyway. Whether or not you verse that one trick or not, it actually doesn't matter. How do you know that one trick exists? What do you mean? You could go onto OPGG and look up the one tricks. You could find them. Okay, we're back in Fairyland, Curtis again. Because guess what? Champions Q players will not respect solo Q players one tricks at all. They'll never ask them. What do you versus mean? Versus getting beaten by them. Going back to painful experiences. Right. Think about, imagine, Curtis, if someone rocked up, right? Right? And let's just say an example where you have a one trick. Who's the one trick in O's that would just be pissing you off? Who is it? Um, how about how about last year, Kyose's no, Ari? Yeah, Kyose's Ari okay. could be quite annoying. Right, but he's not a go. one trick. Yeah, yeah. But he was at the time, right? He played a lot of Ari. Yeah. Right? That champion only became annoying and like people sort of saw the strengths and it sort of became the meta in the solo queue. For a little bit. In and solo you had to journey. think about, you had to get creative and think about how to beat it, didn't you? Yeah. Bam. Yeah, I, I, okay. So, so your argument is that without versing one tricks in solo queue. You're playing off meta things. You, well. you're, you're what? You're missing out on opportunities to learn? Yeah, as a champ master to take champs to the next level. It's just sort of going to be like champions. Like, so your argument then really is that you have to verse a one trick in order to... Yeah. You have to actually verse someone yeah. and to get the learning. Correct. Rather than just asking them. Correct. And spectating them. Yes, because you'll get always... We talk about the podcast all the time, the importance of feel. Right. Okay. Um, okay, I would agree that one tricks... I would agree that there is benefit of versing one tricks, but we also, in order to recognize, if we're going to talk about one tricks, we also have to recognize the danger of one tricks. Okay. How many times, Nathan, in solo queue, have you either had a one trick on your team off roll, secondary roll, or had their one trick banned? Nathan, walk me through what happens in that situation. 
Walk me through what happened in that situation. So I, you say you have a Katarina yeah. one trick yep. or you have a yep. Yumi one trick and they get secondary role or they don't, or Yumi's banned. What happens, Nathan? Tell you what I do. The game goes through yep. and I sweat my ass off to win that game and I build insane mental strength yep. playing around their lack of champion mastery. So we're talking about Fairyland. Oh, geez. We're talking yeah, about Fairyland. Are we getting? Are we? Are we delving into I, Fairyland I, I'm here? I'm dipping my toes in there at the moment. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta break this off again. So the point I'm trying to make is that okay, yeah, in a perfect world, that's your response, isn't it? In a, in a beautiful Fairyland world, that where, I'm not tilted or I'm when there's like that. when you're looking at your, you know, this Yumi who's got banned out, who's now playing top lane Aatrox or. Even if they got, they begged for support and playing their Braum and now their 0-8 bot lane Braum. Sure, you can theoretically sweat your ass off and play that game when, when, that, when that guy, when that one trick's versing a pro player support in bot lane, right? This Yumi one trick who's really, really good at Yumi and got to their 700 LP with Yumi and now versing a pro player who's probably an 800, 900 LP player in bot lane and then your bot lane get rinsed completely. Sure, in a perfect world, your response can be, how can I get max value from this game? And, you know, i got to sweat my ass off to win this game. But most of the time, it's going to be a 20. You, you know, you're going to lose... Most of the time, you're going to lose that game. I would actually say 95% of the time, especially when you're versing a pro player. When it's a one-trick versus a pro player, and when we're talking about GM plus games, this is a very real reality. This is a very real reality. Or you get a one-trick versus a one-trick, and your one-trick is banned out or on a secondary role. Now, these are just a few of the the alternate realities that can actually happen. Now, I agree, Nathan, there are some extremely big positives when versing one trick if they get their champion, if they get their role. But there's a very real chance that they don't get their champion and they don't get their role. In which case, what usually happens? An extremely low quality game, a game that breaks, the game literally breaks because the M, you know, talk about your beautiful solo queue system, that actually breaks because the the system and then that doesn't happen in chess does it you can't just get to a certain chess rank because you've got a certain strategy you know you can't get to a certain rank because you're just a good overall chess player whereas in solo queue you don't have to be a good overall league player to actually even get to grandmaster in a way you can actually spam one champion there are those do exist right so what happens? You're spending probably more time in queue, potentially dodging games or ha- suffering through a series of low intensity 15 minutes games. So if you're going to talk about the positives, you also have to weigh up the negatives before, before you, you, you really send it through there. What do you think about that? I think that since you think Champions is the greatest invention of, all my, of mankind, that would be your point. Okay. We'll be moving on then. Moving on. Uh, I think it's my point, right? This is your point? Yep. Okay. Um, I've got a few more here. Sorry. Um, okay, here we go. I've got, well, I've got one more good one here. So, so one of the big problems... I, mean, I think this is a problem, but I mean, it's something that we need to at least recognize. Conflict. Solo queue. I would say that, you know, there's a lot of conflict and I would say tilt and anger gets flown around in solo queue, right? A lot of raging and people getting angry at each other and spam pings and all that stuff. When it comes to conflict, um, 
you actually hit the nail on the head earlier on. In in Champions Q, there actually will inherently be less conflict because of the social conventions at play, right? But you also, if you're going to talk about the 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 negatives of low conflict, you also got to talk about the potential positives. Think of it as t- in terms of like faking a smile. When you fake a smile, you actually feel more happy. Now, the same thing, if you're, if you're having to hold your tongue in a frustrating situation because you can't, obviously these are people you respect or they're, they're high, low, other people, other pros and things like that, you're actually allowing yourself to stay more level-headed because you're not allowed to fling, you know, you're not allowed to um, rip off the chain and just let loose on these people. You can't. You can't let yourself let loose because it's embarrassing. It's on stream. You hold to a whole standard. Everyone's watching these games, pro players across the board. You're forced to hold your tongue. Now, we know when it comes to controlling anger, a lot of the time, it's actually, once you let that collar off and you let loose that one time, you can't damper it. It's done. Like, you're, you, you've, you've, taken the, you've taken the lid off the pot type thing. But if you're able to keep it on, hold your tongue, not say anything, and which is, actually, we, which is exactly what will happen in our experience. Everyone, no one says anything. Everyone is like low conflict because everyone you know, doesn't want to... To, to drag attention to themselves, um, they're, they're going to be more level-headed, therefore there's more learning. Because we know that learning doesn't happen when you're highly emotional because you're not able to see the objective reality. You're just, you're just all completely in your, in your own head. So the main point I'm trying to make here, the more level-headed you are, the more learning there will be. Because when you're highly emotional, you can't get into the details because you're only seeing things through a very, very particular lens. Oh, this is a this is a weak point, Curtis. I'm gonna dismantle this one. Okay, I'm this looking is forward so to it. Weak. Alright, so you learn that anyway with outcomes in solo queue. Alright? And what? You learn to, you have to learn to control your emotions. It says who? Says the solo queue ladder. You think the best players don't control their emotions? No, is that I don't. Is, is that is that true, Nathan? No, it's not. It's Fairyland. Uh, let me adjust. Let me adjust. Uh... Nathan, imagine how good some of these players would be in O's that currently don't control their emotions. How good they would be if they did. Imagine how, how much better some of these players would be. And we're not going to call names here, but you know who I'm talking about. What's the rebuttal, Nathan? I don't TikTok. know. I feel, like, I feel like you're... You're just breeding... You're like trying to like artificially create... Uh, artificially create... Responsibility? Yeah, I think it is. You're spot on. It is artificial. It's, it's brute forcing restraint. That's what it is and doing. You know, through social convention, if you want to be successful in a top team. I mean, you've got to learn again. I mean, I feel like I hate the word holding back, holding your tongue. Like, at the end of the day, okay, yeah. So, in, in solo queue, anyway, you, there's no reason, even on comms, right? You, you're never going to. I don't even feel like you even need to hold your tongue because you, it's actually never optimal to to just flame someone in the game, it's not helpful. Right, like it should. That shouldn't actually. I don't think people actually do hold it because that's not going to be the natural response anyway. So 
what's not the natural response? If you're angry, you're going to... what Nathan, if someone's angry in a game, your natural response is to spamping or type yeah, or something. Yeah, in solo queue, right? Solo queue. And then you yeah. suffer the consequences yes. for that. Yes, But less in, learning. in... Like you affect your teammates, all that sort of stuff. Yep. You know, people know your tilted. No, but you get you. less learning. But you get less learning because you're not playing at your best. And, and also, you're yeah, you're just... You're not taking responsibility. Again, I view that solo queue. There's more learning from you constantly... Like, I mean, I had someone who was a former Salty member, right? Mm-hmm. Who just mental boom all the time. Yep. Uh, to kick him from Salty and everything. And I see him still do it today, you know, and he doesn't get the results in solo queue. So I'm trying to think for him, you know, he doesn't get the results he expects for himself. And he, you know, he's, he's, he definitely, you know, has some really bad habits there. If you put him in a competitive environment, I reckon, and he starts winning and holding his tongue. What will happen? What's your theory then? Oh, he learns, so he holds his tongue and he actually gets success or he actually holds his tongue, he doesn't let loose there and he actually is forced to hold his tongue. You think it will be a negative scenario? I just think I just think that you can't artificially... I think that players in Champions League don't have enough influence over someone to, to make them to... Like, these are habits that we're talking about ingrained over years and years. Like, if you can't control your emotions and you're going into a competitive top-tier top environment, you're not going to make it anyway, you know? So, it's like, the okay. way that I view it is like natural selection. Like Nathan, you've seen pro players in NA who can't control their emotions. Yeah, and they don't, and and they don't it, get success. So you've seen high-level NA pros. And they still get success. You've so. seen that. You've told me that. Will showed you screenshots of pro players that are, you know, famous, losing their cool. So like, look, you got to, you got to, we're getting very far away from the initial point. The point's very simple. You're, you hold your tongue. So you're not letting, you know, letting yourself off the chain. You're more level-headed through just brute forcing. Therefore, better quality gameplay, more learning. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to stick with my rebuttal. It's like, it's just band-aid solutions. It's all short-term and it actually won't influence players to change. We'll leave that up to the audience to decide. We'll leave that up to the audience to decide. All right, following on from um, my point. So my general theme, you talk about your general theme. My general theme is it's just weakness. Band-Aid solution, just cover up, you know, cover, cover. There's like all this shit under the, under the rugs and we're just, you know, hiding it, right? Um, I mean, this is sort of a point talking about the meta and the one tricks and stuff, but, you know, playing, getting, getting into the draft mindset. So the way Champions Q, the, the draft is like, P1, sorry, um, you know, you know, ban, ban phase, the second ban phase and stuff like that. It's not like solo queue. Oh, right. So it's like yeah. an actual scrim. Yeah, like yeah. a scrim, yeah. right? So tournament draft. Right. Um, getting in again in a practice environment, like you can do that in scrims. It makes you a worse player when you, mo- the moment you get into the draft mindset. Agree or disagree, Curtis? I mean, how many times I've talked about this on the podcast before? I but this runs counter to what you were talking about before, where you said everyone's going to pick the same thing anyway because it's just no. The meta, well, the meta, the meta well, the meta. no, still no. Because uh, how's that different? 
Because it because, because the, draft the, the, doesn't the, matter no, no, in, but, according to you. But there's a pool of champions in the meta. Yeah. And like one counter is one. And that's why the meta is created because there's counters right. to things, right? Right. And then again, there's just a lack of focus on champ mastery. And you're just going to be in that draft. Uh, the draft mindset. Okay. Let, let me. Is, let, I think it's focusing on the wrong things in. Again, in the practice realm, I'm not saying draft is, draft okay. is obviously very important for competitive play. You know, there's coaching stuff yep. that spend a lot of time yep. into that. But for a practice environment, a replacement for solo queue, get into the draft mindset and trying to win draft is really toxic. Okay, I want to rebuttal this one. Right. And this is going to rebut your other one that I found a rebuttal for the other point, which is the one about um, how the meta is going to be very stable. Yeah, stay, yeah. Very so stable, when, yeah. When, when the meta is very stable, right? Yeah. Um, and you know what, like the sorts of champs that are in the pools, these are matchups that you know are going to be played on stage. Like these are matchups that are currently played in competitive. Chances are that you're going to play something similar to this a lot of the time. You're going to get a lot of practice playing the matchups that you're going to play on stage. Now, the flip side in solo queue, you might pop into, you might do a three block in solo queue. You can verse a Quinn top player, and then you can verse a Singe top player if you're a top laner, and then you might just verse like a Garen. None of those matchups you're actually going to play. And you might not even guarantee to get your role, and you might not even guarantee to get your champion. But chances are, in this champion's queue, I mean, you basically get your role, right, every time you are guaranteed to get not some ridiculous matchup that you're not going to get in a, in a competitive game and you're you're going to get practice in matchups that you know you're probably going to verse, which is going to make you better on and be a better player. More efficient practice. Okay. So here's one. Here's, this, is what's, this is what's gestated in my mind here. I feel like the longer you're a competitive player, you have this distorted view of the game, I feel like for a lot of players, where they start being like, you got to play optimally and have the right picks and all that sort of stuff. And it sort of removes the fun and the chaos of solo queue. There's so many like I mean, situations in solo queue that it, it sort of, again, I view the solo queue and the chaos of it that, that, that has the bad stigma, you know, like one tricks, people tilt him, bam. It just like, if you're able to push through that, it strengthens you and it keeps you a fresh perspective of the game because I, I feel like that when pro players go down that route, they're stuck. That, that's why I feel like pro players, they, 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 they initially love solo queue. That's how you become a pro player. And then you lose respect for it because you're playing sort of a different game in competitive. And over time, that beats you down to the point where you actually just hate the game. And that's why I, I think that's a big reason why pro careers don't last long. So your point, though, but you're digging yourself a hole. You can't have the cake and eat it. It's like, quote, you can't have the cake and eat it. You can't have all the cake and eat it too or something. I know, yeah, something like you, that. You, you, you talk as if pro players should get like the most, they should like do all these things to get the most value out of solo queue, but you don't think they're capable of utilizing the, the tools to review in, in, in champions queue. Like you, you're you're shitting on them when it comes to Champions Cube, and you don't, they're not going to get much value from Champions Cube. But when it comes to Solo Cube, apparently they're a god, and they <laughs> they 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 overcome adversity and they deal with the one tricks and they yeah. they deal with the the chaotic nature of Solo Cube, which is just hasn't really been the case, has it? In NA, NA players they've shit the bed when it comes. They don't they don't play Solo Cube. They literally don't play it a lot of the time, minus a few of the best players like Core JJ and stuff like that, right? But 
most of the time, they just have excuse after excuse after excuse, and they never take responsibility in their solo queue. That's been one of the big criticisms Will has had of most of the solo queue players that he versus the pro players in solo queue. So I think that, yeah, sure, you can talk about how these players can use solo queue to rebuild their, their mental strength and stuff like that. But you can't also say they're not going to... That's You can't just have both. You can't you can't shit on them in Champions League and think they're gods in solo queue. Okay, so I feel like you're, you're, get, plan, you're getting into Fairyland yeah. way, way more than I was. That's a fair point, Gerdes. You can't have the cake I don't and eat it. it. That's the imaginary, imaginary <laughs> goat. Um, that's my rebuttal. Anyway. So yeah, in Fairyland, sure. To quote you. All right, Gerdes, hit me with another one. Right, I, got, I think I got one more. Um... Because each game is filled with pros, you are more incentivized to stomp your opponent because you will get a psychological edge on game day. We've known this, actually. We did this in Die Wolves in 2017. We took our solo queue very seriously, and we, whenever we were versing our other pro players in solo queue, we tried to annihilate them because it would give us a psychological edge. Remember the psychological edge in solo queue I had as a 1K LP coach? More high, higher LP than anyone else on their team that were versing that week? That's a psychological edge. If you're dominating your opponent and tr- going in to dominate your opponent and really try your best, um, I mean, you're just incentivized to do that, which is inherently going to force you to be a better player because you're playing to the absolute limit. You're playing as if you would on stage. Um um, and, 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 uh, and to kind of add on to this one, so therefore intensity and focus increase. This is a second one, but I want you also to rebut at the same time though, which was, you know how you were talking about the, um, the, uh, the meta picks, right? Mm. How the off meta picks. Mm. There is a rebuttal to that. And the rebuttal is you will get better practice to know if they will actually work or not. So let's just say De- Destiny here, who doesn't play, who wants to play, try Shen support into a, a given pick, right? In a way, if he doesn't a solo queue, he's probably going to beat them anyway because he's just better than a lot of those solo queue players that don't take it seriously or like they're just not as good players. But if you're trying it against a pro player in Champions queue and it works, chances are the pick is actually going to work because you actually get better quality practice and you're going to know that it works because you're versing a good player. So that's two points there, Nathan. I want you to rebut. You want you to rebut. I think you might may not work a little bit more, but I think you're overestimating. Like if you feel like it, it's again, league's a big feel game. If you're feeling something, I reckon you don't need to test it versus a pro player. Okay. That's it. Okay. And the other, what about the other point with the, when you're versing pros, you're more incentivized to stomp your opponent to get a psychological edge. Like you're not going to want to, like you're not, you're really not going to want to lose to the opponent that you're versing that week, or you're versing the the top player in the league. Like you know, you you're going to really want to get your shit together. I mean, we did that in solo queue, in the solo queue environment. So right. I, I think that what you're saying there in champions queue, you can do that every game because you're versing pro you're versing pros every game. every game. That's not exactly true, actually, or a lot of pros. Nathan, compare it from the odds, uh, from a percentage chance. If you're in solo queue, what are the likelihood you're going to verse another pro top lane? If you're a top laner, what's the likelihood comparatively to if you're versing a pro player in Champions queue? I don't, I'd, I'd be it would be significantly assume. higher in Champions queue. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. Oh, <laughs> I mean, no wait and see. Curtis, pro players, they like their break time, dude. Lost Ark's out. People are playing Lost Ark and shit. 
The new MMO. So, you know, people get exhausted from scrims all day. So if dude. people listen to it, we now know this guy is officially delusional. <laughs> That's an extra point to me right there. I will disagree with your statement that I'm delusional. I am a realist here, Curtis. So I see it, but I don't see it. We got to wait and see. Okay. I, I'll, I'll be happy to come back in three months' time showing the statistics and be like, actually, this is not much different from this grandmaster player that got accepted into Champions Q is playing against um, Impact every game. All right. Have any points or we we done? That's it. That's all I had. That's all my ammunition. All right. Well, we'll leave it up to the audience here, the jury. We can't decide who won, Curtis. <laughs> we can't decide. We might be a bit biased. Um, yeah. So let us know in the comments. What does the winner get? It's just pride. It's ego. Just ego. Points. Brownie points. So the next debate, we can we can like tally at each debate who yep. wins what. That's correct. Mailbag? Yep. Let's jump into mailbag. Away we go! Jingle, jingle, jingle song. Alright, so we love... Let's start off with in the mailbag here. It's not exactly a question, but this is a, a success story. We like to highlight success stories on the BBC or of our community, our listeners. How MLA and BBC has changed my league experience. This is from Andrew. Hello, Curtis and Nathan. I'm Black Lotus, a oh, student nice. of Coach Curtis since the beginning of MLA with a short break at summer. I'm 23 years old and I've been playing league since the start of season two, about two, 100 to 200 games per season. And I've actively played more league, 500 games per season, since season nine. So we started seven seasons, only 200 games, season nine, 500 games and above. I sent you this email to express my gratitude for your work, both for BBC and for the MLA. When season started, I decided to start actively getting coached from Curtis, not just studying in the MLA, and try the three-block process in order to test myself in solo queue. Throughout this month, I've been listening to your podcast, and I've made a schedule based on your tips and advices. Since I'm also a student at college, I decided to follow the idea of before my classes, I wake up every day at 4.30am preparing myself for the day and playing my block of three to four games. My warm-up is the low dodge game by listening to your podcast or watching coach running it down on Discord and 10 minutes of practice tool to prepare my picks, which are Akali and Victor. Total 15 to 20 minutes of warm-up. I strictly follow the process of the block by reviewing every single game while in queue and I have to say I've seen dramatic changes to how I see the game and my gameplay. When Keto says that the review is the medicine, God, that guy knows what he is saying. As for my league journey, I've peaked at D1 EUS during Worlds of 2019, but for the last two seasons, I've been stuck at Plat 4. However, the MLA showed me that I am not the glorious midlander I thought I was back in 2019, and the BBC that league is a game about you and your confidence. Thanks to your help, guys, I've recovered from this mental struggle, and now I face the game as a new platinum midlander. After one month in the season, reached Plat 2 with Akali, 80% win rate. Um... The MLA helped me see my flaws as a player and the BBC is literally what keeps me sane every morning before I start my block. To be honest, it is very healthy for me to listen to you guys about your opinions and the struggles you also face and overcome this season. My goal this season is to reach Master TR. Again, thanks for the amazing job. And my question is if you can give me some extra advice about my league experience so far. So there is actually a question at the end. I guess that big emphasis he has is talking about schedule, how it changed. I mean, schedule doesn't just change... Just for league, like schedule, where where humans, our our brains reward us for schedules. That's why when you wake up at, 
you start waking up the same day every day. That's, there's a reason for that. And when you when you ruin your schedule, it feels like shit. Do you have any comments on the importance of schedule, Curtis? In terms of schedule, yeah. Um, in terms of what, just improving it or just yeah. in general? I mean, just in general. I mean, I mean, again, I'm just sort of just highlighting. He just had. He well, thinks that schedule has helped him a lot. Well, look, I think I think a lot of things have helped him. I think it's like I I think for Black Lotus, from from what I working with him, I think he's dropped his ego a little bit. You know, he's. He's really come to realize that he wasn't, you know, the player that he used to be. Yeah, that was a huge mental that's, block. I mean, that's, that's, that's hard. Me. Yeah. That's so hard to do. Yeah. It, it's really difficult. That takes a lot. It yeah, takes a I lot. I feel like for players that were high ELO in lower seasons, that they actually insulted. Those are some of the hardest students to They're work with. They're the hardest to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, getting over that is hard. I mean, I think getting more games in has been great for him. I think sticking three blocks in the reviews. The, he's done. He's ticked every box, right? The pregame ritual, the warm-ups. He's done... The, the, the playing in blocks of three with the reviews with the beautiful schedule and the stuff like he's done everything he's ticked every box and it's hard to pinpoint you know and, and this is the interesting thing as well is it's going to be very difficult for you to pinpoint what exactly got your results because it's likely just the culmination of many things mm. so I think you know my advice man if it feels good and it's working keep doing it keep doing it man don't overcomplicate it if it's working and it feels great listen to your body reflect it seems like you're doing an amazing job man I, I think that you will find ways to optimize your schedule and what suits you over time. Like that when it comes to schedules as well, like you're never going to go from zero to a hundred. Well, the advice I always give is try and do the first two or three hours of your day. Well, like try and nail your first three hours and then you might figure out a way to push that again a little bit further. Your first four hours, first five hours until, you know, you're probably going to have a pretty good idea about how to have a solid day but don't even go there at the start. You know, you just want to learn how to wake up and do your, do your bed and wake make up breakfast at the same time every day. That's, that's just the hardest bit. Just yeah. actually just getting the basics done. Mm. Um, let alone the consistent warm ups in the blocks, you know? So, um, take it one day at a time. Don't try and do it all at once. It seems like you're on the right, right path. And as long as you're reflecting and you're listening to your body, you'll be fine. So well done, man. You can have a great season. Keep it up, Andrew. Next one here is from, Milk Puddle slash Aiden. He's in our book club. Yep. The BBC book in the club. MLA in the, in the book in club. MLA. Uh, mindset response. Milk Puddle. Dear Curtis and Nathan, I'm writing this email because I really resonated with this week's episode of Mindset. That was referring to the one we did with breaking down the episode on with Aria. Yep. The, yep. the professor. The, re- the professor Aria. Yeah. And uh, that was episode 85. 85 yeah. Yep. Um, and the video article Curtis posted about belief. What was the video article? I made an article in the MLA talking about the importance of believing you can do something. Like you need to believe that you can get high rank or climb or be that sort of person. If you don't believe it, if you can't even get yourself to believe it, it's not going to happen. I've been able to draw a lot of parallels between my experience going through the process of getting better at league and my first year experience at university pursuing physics. Going from barely pushing myself in high school and getting to barely passing calculus to in college really struck me at an identity level. When you're told all your life that you are gifted and talented, it really makes you question who you are when you meet any kind of adversity. One of the reasons I did so poorly was because of the lack of structure and abusive dopamine. College was the first time I have ever had hours between classes and complete freedom. 
along with the league at my fingertips. Last semester, I used to play blocks in between classes and convince myself that it was a healthy process. What I didn't realize is that this would result in me not having any motivation to do anything remotely hard, like study for tests or do anything above the bare minimum. I would encourage any listeners to the BBC to do some introspection and see if they suffer from any kind of lack of motivation. For my last point, I wanted to bring to light a parallel I've noticed between league and studying physics. I think by watching a lot of you guys' content, people trick themselves into thinking they know the solution to their problems. Much like how in physics, it is easy to trick yourself into understanding the theory by mindlessly following the examples and solutions. You don't learn by seeing the way to do it right. You learn by seeing all the ways to get it wrong. Finally, I want to share with you my mantra that I use in physics and league. If it doesn't make sense, one of your assumptions is wrong. Thank you for everything you guys do for the league community. Where do you want to start? Um, so I want to clarify his lack of motivation. So one of the reasons I did so poorly... I think what he meant was that... So what was happening, right? Yeah. So you know at uni or college, whatever, you, you might have like a lecture in the morning yeah. and, then, and then you have a break, like yeah. two or three hours, and then you have more lectures. What he was doing is that he was playing league or doing things that obviously spike his dopamine in the middle of the day then when it came to studying or doing things later on in the day he would get railed right because he's just you're gonna drop your dopamine's going from all the way up here all the way like going to rock bottom essentially okay and and it's similar to what you said there was like toxic um university culture in in at my university in melbourne where we would like some of my friends they would in between lectures, we'd go to lunch and have like a beer over lunch. <laughs> so I would have a beer and I'd be finish my beer and then go straight into a lecture. It's not high performance, you know? So what you do in between is very Got important. It. So the advice I always gave to people was study in that time. Like do work, do uni stuff, related stuff in that those blocks such that you get it all out of the way. And then when you get home or you finish, you're, you're, then you're, switching. you're switched you're in on. The league mindset. You're in the league mindset. You don't have to think about anything else. Yeah, dude. Dude, if I, if, imagine that, dude. Imagine if I had a lecture coming up or I had to go back to university. You do a three block and then you go to another one. Not possible. It's not possible. Uh, like that hurts your three block as well, I think. That's 100%. I'm more worried Because mental baggage. Yeah. Like, you're going to be thinking, oh my God, after I this, I've got to study. I've got a lecture. I've got to go, you know, that's terrible. Yeah. Find a way to do more uni, study harder, work hard when it is college time or whatever you call it um in that period of time and he thinks that was the thing that was influencing his motivation Got so it. when he, he specifically motivation when it came to the second half of the day so he was motivated in the morning he would yeah. be fine and then that, that once he crashed in the middle because he yeah. did three block in the middle of the day <laughs> the three block in the middle of the day did not work for him which is completely understandable yeah yeah so that's that to clarify yeah so i really liked because my review schedule Insulter used to be different where I used to be, I used to do, remember I used to do night reviews mm. and because now it's like I get all my reviews done in the morning, right? So after... So what you used to do, you used to do like reviews and then solo queue, then more reviews. That's right. But now you do all your reviews and, and then, then it's just the rest of the day solo queue. And there's no solo queue before then, right? I mean, yeah. sometimes you squeeze in a game. Yeah, you know, but very rarely. Yeah. And that's like just, yeah, just one game. And yeah, I, I felt I always played so shit. <laughs> the, like two games before. Because oh, you're thinking of the research, like I'm thinking who's going to show up, like what's going to go. I have to download the VODs. It was way worse. It's true. 
It is true. Mental baggage. It's, I'm playing, yeah, the best league I play is when everything's done. So chores as well. If you have chores and stuff to do, if you get home and you've got to clean the kitchen and cook dinner, yeah. just get that stuff done first. So then when you play solo queue, you're playing solo queue. There's nothing else for you to worry about, ideally, if you can. And the second part was talking about how... Physics, studying physics and... Uh, Oh, how physicists think they... It's about you don't really understand it until you know the ways to get it wrong. Or I like that. Mean. That's interesting. I mean, you go to... You, I have no... I can't relate to this. I didn't study in physics. You did physics back in the day, dude. Dude, I did physics in high school. Yeah, but like maths. Is it the same with maths or like concepts or is it different? No, I was... I, I mean, I resonate with him what he said before. It's like you're told you're naturally talented at something. Oh, okay. I resonate yeah. with that part. Yeah. Like I, I never... I always thought I was just talented at maths, which really wasn't the case. I don't know what it was, but... You were though. Your brain, like, yeah, but it only gets you to a certain level. Yeah, it gets you. Like, to a certain and then, level, and yeah. that, and then when you get and then challenged, then it fucks you. It really it shocks you at an identity yeah. level. You're like, yeah. well, what am I? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not good at maths, then what am I? <laughs> yeah. You know? I can't solve this problem. I can't I'm solve this solve. problem, and I'm meant to be a genius, so I'm just useless. <laughs> um, but the the thing he said was, I mean, I'm more related. Really, I'm thinking about from a league perspective. Yeah. When you're looking at a play, it's not about like, yeah, like. Let me kind yeah, of read the read, bottom of it. Oh, God damn. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yep, that's the bottom of it the there. Bottom. Let me read over this again because there's a lot here. For my last point, I wanted to bring up a, a light to light a parallel <clears throat> I've noticed between league and studying physics. I think by watching a lot of your guys' content, people trick themselves into thinking they know the solutions to their problems, much like how in physics it can be easy to trick yourself into understanding the theory by mind. Okay, so basically, actually, there's a very uh, example today in the MLA that highlights this. I get a lot of people struggle with wave management still. Like they, it's still occupying too much of their mental stack and they don't really, really get it. And one of the mm. things they said was, um, he said, Curtis, I struggle to understand it because it's not replicable. Like in the sense that wave management is, is not like jungle clearing in the sense that with jungle clearing, you do the exact same thing every time. You're going to pull the can. The wave is you're gonna different all the time. The waves are different all the time yeah. because it's dependent on how the enemy yeah. interacts with the wave. Like you can't go in and say, I'm going to hit this melee twice, this range three times. No, because the enemy might just be attacking you. You can't even hit the minion wave. So th so a lot of people express that it's, it's difficult to understand wave management because it's not replicable in a way. So the advice I gave was you don't understand something until you've done it so many times. Yeah, it, it, you know what? You've got to feel it. You've got the, to feel it, wave management. Yeah, you've got to feel it. The, the, the way that I respond to that is they say it's difficult. Yeah, it is it difficult. It is difficult, yeah. Because, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't really understand how waves worked in the game. Yeah. Until like the last 12 months or so. Probably less, maybe like eight months. Right. Um, like you thought you understood it I thought it, I understood it but, but when you're in it in the situation it's just get, too slow or because like, there's too many things up. you need to yeah. think about yeah and it took me a fuck ton of games in muscle memory you know probably like 2000 games of focus on it to get there I literally had this question in Soul 2 as well like I mean I think that's the difference between diamond junglers and challenger junglers they just read the map better they waves, understand they can see way in yeah. advance what's going to happen literally like I think that is like the key I mean obviously mechanics is a thing as well yeah but it's a really and big pathing and tracking that sort of stuff but it's it's massive it's huge it's, that's, it's that, that's, that's what leveled up my gameplay significantly and and I have a rough time teaching that as well because it has to come through feel, feel though it's yeah. timing it's I mean obviously like, I'll, I'll give the theory but you've got to practice this yeah. shit out of it it reminds me of how when you know when you play a lot of jungle you, you kind of feel when the camps are going to be up yeah, you like don't you don't think look, yeah. about when no, the cancer we have. No. You just know. That's right. 
that just comes through experience. Like, so with jungle tracking as well. Yeah, you've just done that so many times. Yeah. You don't have to think about it. No. You know. So I, I think you're spot. I think Mill Puddles is spot on. I think do, I think you're correct in the sense that a lot of people do think they understand a lot of things about the game. They think that they know how to survive ganks or yeah. they know how to play out a team fight. Or- I mean, the biggest one for me, people will be shocked, dude. Like junglers, like when they first join uh, Soltu and I'm reviewing a gank, we're just missing the fundamentals of what a good gank looks like. You know, and, and so many people will think like, why am I joining MLI, uh, sorry, Soltu for Nathan to tell me I don't know how to gank? Like think of how yeah. ridiculous, no yeah. one would ever assume like, because yeah, no. ganking is just easy. It's like you go and they're pushed up someone. and you go kill them. There's so many more factors. So many things at play. You know? And, and that's what he says here. You don't learn by seeing the ways you do it right. You learn by seeing all the ways you get it wrong. So when you do something right, when you, when say when you mess up that gank, it's actually true. It's actually, you, you don't learn as much as you do by when you get it right. You learn by getting fact, it wrong. That goes back to my debate, Gerdes, does. doesn't hey, it? But the debate's finished, Nathan. Come on, <laughs> don't. I'm, I'm trying to get some ground. cast your vote, don't edit your vote, please. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, you're spot on, Milk. I, I, I think a lot of people, ourselves included, at times struggle with that. You think you because it it feels good to think you've got something as well. It does. Yeah, it's I've got to, the like, theory. Tick it off. Yeah, it's so good to tick, tick something off, dude. Ticking <laughs> off doesn't exist in league. You've got to the fundamentals get you get sloppy real fucking quick, dude. It's always I'll think of it as like a checklist. Like everything's there, and like you've got to tick it off as the game's going on, and the next game it's a fresh you list know, again. You know what I think of when it comes to like your league skill set, right? Imagine like a bar chart. You know those bar charts with like all the, the columns that just go up? Yeah. And let's say like there's a number on the y-axis, which is how good you are at that giving skill, yeah. right? So all the bars are rising. Say you focus on jungle tracking, there's fundamentals, whatever. So they're all going up. But when you focus on one of them, all the others are slowly decreasing. They are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, to, but they, they don't go down to a certain level. So every time you focus on something, it goes up. Yeah. But then it'll go slightly be like down. Default. It'll be like a, a baseline. Like yeah. That baseline goes up every time you focus on it. So, so for example, let's take wave management. You focus on it, boom, you might get it up to 75. Then you move your focus. That will slide down to like maybe 70 or 68. And like, it's just everything is slowly going down as you're focusing on other things. That's why for me, I will always have to revisit fundamentals. Like I will still have to revisit jungle tracking or I did, some, or, I did on the weekend. I did some bad fundamental ganks. Like, all right, got to go back to how do I gank again? But that's just normal. We don't we don't overread into that. No. It's like you just got to do it. Yeah. That's just league. It's a hard game. There's so many things to learn. Yeah, and you can lose your focus during a game, and then you just forget something, and then because you're focusing again on something else. Yep, yep. It's a trillion things you can think of, and that's what makes the game game great. Yep. All right, next one here is from. We've got a Soul 2 member this time. So we've got MLA members and we've got a Soul 2 one. This one is from uh, Creepy Kreb. <laughs> That's his name. I always say Creepy Kreb. Creepy Kreb. Uh, respect issues. Hello, Nathan and Curtis. My name is Albin and I'm one of those jungle enthusiasts. I love jungle enthusiasts. I have started to find a flaw in my gameplay mindset. I often think from the enemy jungler's perspective... And based on that, I make my moves. But the issue that I've found is that often I respect the enemy too much or too little. I find myself not going for players because I know that the enemy jungler or landers know that I will go for the predictable gank or invade. And sometimes I do the opposite and I don't hover and counter gank my landers because it's such a predictable gank. 
Does that make sense, that situation? Yeah, you struggle with that, haven't yep, you? Yep, absolutely. I was going to get into that. What I'm saying is that I don't know how much I should respect the enemy. I play with high intensity, but should I think my enemy does that as well? Or just expect them to play like everybody else in autopilot? I'd love to hear your take on this. And also, if you're wondering, I usually play mid slash high diamond and have peaked at low masters two times. But I don't know if that makes a difference. I may be wrong, but I think... This problem is most common in their diamond tier and not so much in higher or lower tiers. Well, this is your specialty, Nathan. Well, I mean, you know, I have actually given Albert my advice, so he's probably writing more to get yours. But, right. But I'll, I'll do my take anyway, just to repeat it. Maybe I haven't articulated it this way. I would say, just thinking about my gameplay now, I mean, I really simplified it. I, I will... I go to plays I mean the way the game works and league works like I mean junglers will typically just gank something that looks gankable your just responsibility is just be there to counter gank I mean I yeah again I go to high percentage plays so how do I articulate that is that respecting the opponent okay if you need time to think I got an answer alright so yeah. why you think about your yeah, point let me polish it up here we go Kurt. so I haven't really thought about this too much but I'll just give you what how I what I do is this a problem mind. in the mid lane well I'll frame it. I'll frame it this way: When I'm playing, I will adapt based off the players that I verse. So, what will happen a lot of the time, and this is I'm actually doing this every single time I play. I'm always getting a gauge on like how much this person wants to win at every point. So, and like, you can tell that just by the way they. I playing. can tell. Yeah, I can tell if someone really wants to win or not. Like, I can tell very easily, very quickly in the mm. first like ten minutes. Like, I can basically say, okay, this guy really wants when he's playing to win. This guy's not playing to win. This guy's going to do... Like, I kind of know what sort of plays the players are going to make. When I'm in this very high-intensity games, I will respect the enemy. When I know the enemy... Like, if, if I'm saying Sybil, for example, like, I, I mean, that's because he's... I know him, but, like, that way, the way that guy plays, he's not going to roll over. He's going he's gonna to punish me. If he can see me... He will punish me every time. Like, if I go for a dive that's very obvious, he will be there. And so, but there are other games where I'm versing someone, like, they're just rolling over and dying, or, like, they're just low. Like, you can just tell they're low intensity. Yeah. They're not playing folk. Like, they're giving you too much room, too much space. A lot of the time, what I'll do is I'll calibrate. I'll, I'll try and make, like, a play, and I'll see what they do, and then I'll react based off that. It's constant calibration. That's actually what I do. From, that's genuinely what I do. Uh, I don't know if that helps, and I don't know how to I don't know how to teach that, but um, I never come in thinking I respect this person. I don't respect this person. It's very feel. What in, what do they give me? What signals do they give me in the game? Yeah, I think that that's really important. Again, that's going into adaption a lot instead of like I think that way Elvin's approaching is like he's a blanket. It's either respects the opponent. Should I respect the opponent? Or should I not respect the opponent? Right? You're just like. You know, sometimes yeah. I, sometimes I will just disrespect the opponent because they're playing. Yeah, pretty, yeah. You know, but like I'll go for like a disrespectful dive. Yeah. When I know, like I, I know it's so obvious, but they're just I'm versing players that aren't good. Like I just know they're not focused. Like I can get away with it. I can get away with things. Yeah. Yeah, I would say from a jungle's perspective, versus the enemy jungler, I don't think you can get. So he's definitely thinking about more. Sorry, the enemy jungler like doing bad ganks and like just obvious things right. and like he's trying to like mind game again this is what i experienced so i get i guess my my answer feel. is feel feel but yeah. but there is just go to where you think the enemy jungle is going to go i think that's where you start with and then you start calibrating it 
Especially... Yeah. Okay, Nathan. That's my default. So, you know that play, right? Where yeah. we're talking about... that We keep talking about it, but you were playing the Rek'Sai versus yep. the Nidalee. That's How the, did you... So, you knew... Yeah. Nidalee was going to stay there. Yeah. Um, because... Is it, it because the rank that you're at? Like, how, what do you, how do you know that? I think that... Well, that would happen in every rank. No, they, they wouldn't happen in... Oh, I would say even in Diamond and above, yeah. I mean, her, so the, the, the play, she's counter-gank. I mean, because she knows her lane's vulnerable because they're so both So you're saying a, a Diamond for Nidalee is going to counter-gank you there? Probably not. Maybe not. Probably not, yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's feel. Like, yeah. based off the rank that you're at, like, yeah. you adapt intuitively based off your experiences playing in the different ranks. Yeah. So I think what Creepy should do is... <laughs> is he should really start to, you know, calibrate based off what happens in the games. Be pragmatic about it. Like, don't just feel it out. Like, feel it out. And yeah, don't, don't go in, think about it. Don't, don't go into the like approach that. as a blanket black and white. I think yeah, that's don't think of it as like, sh- I should or shouldn't give this guy respect. I've never thought like that. It's like, uh, well, I will try something and then maybe I should, I will respect him a little bit or whatever. I, don't, I just never think like that. I just prod, test, get a bit of information and then kind of go from there. It's something that will come with feel. Respect is a feel thing. It is a feel thing. Mm. Feeling has to come with time, intensity. You'll know over time. As your mental stat grows and you can think more about the game holistically, you'll know. I just don't think it's something you probably need to focus on right now. I feel like that's just a 1%er, right? Yeah, I think it's one of the last of his issues. You definitely don't need to be thinking about that. That's not the reason you're in Diamond or Low Master, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah. All right. That's it for Mailbag. Okay. Any final comments, Curtis, for our debate episode? Please vote for me to win this one. I cannot lose to Nathan here. Um, and because I asked first, and I asked nicely. That means you deserve it. Means I deserve it. Dude, this guy's such a suck up, dude, honestly. All right. <laughs> Good work, everyone. We'll see you on the Rift.